This is Talkin' Slayer, a podcast and half-assed audio book. Talkin' Slayer is what we do. It's all we do, mostly. Talkin' Slayer is deeply researched, somewhat rehearsed, lightly edited, and listener-supported. And we've got riffs. This is the final introduction episode, the last song by the opening act. The Grand Saga of Slayer begins next week. After this week, every episode, I will say hi, I will very quickly set up the show, and I will tell you a story. A story about Slayer, the thrashiest of the big four thrash metal bands. But not this This is the final episode like this, for the foreseeable future anyway. It is not like the previous episodes. In future episodes, you will get Slayer facts, Today is Slayer Opinions, and a Slayer Theory, though Slayer, as a creative entity, resists theory. Today's topic is Slayer University. Maybe it's Slayer Community College. (laughs) Haha, that's funny. I said it before you did. Today's show is in two parts. First, I'm going to offer you one possible perspective on Slayer. How to look at the band, how to read their lyrics... How to think about them, or it, we'll talk about that issue later too. Second, we will take a quantitative look at what Slayer means not just to me, but to fans. I conducted a survey of Slayer fans, and in part two of today's show, I will tell you what that Slayer survey says. By the end of part one today, you will have a pretty good idea what I think about Slayer. And also today, you will get a more objective opinion, or opinions, or more voices anyway. I am your pal Ferris, aka DX Ferris, D like David, X like DMX, Ferris like the wheel. This episode is brought to you by my books, Google Ferris, Slayer, Books, and The Matrix will get you there. Buy a couple, and I will have more time to work on this show. I wrote books about good fellas and professional wrestling too. Maybe you would like those. But today's topic is Slayer. Topic one of two, a Slayer theory. I keep saying I'm going to half-ass an episode and just read you something I already wrote. But I keep writing these essays. I think about Slayer a lot. For your consideration, Slayer's body of work does not read as one continuous narrative with recurring characters and plots. But some themes emerge. Following is an idea that occurred to me recently. The morning after Slayer's final show, which was November 30th, 2019, I was going to a book event. And it was something of a drive to get there. Before I left, I dug through my stack of Slayer CDs to pick an album to listen to in the car. With all the Slayer records in front of me and Slayer's career behind me, I chose the CD that contains both Show No Mercy and the Haunting the Chapel EP. Show No Mercy was the draw there. I took it to the car with me and it has been in there ever since. Seasons in the Abyss was already in the car, 
Those are my go-to Slayer albums. Not necessarily my favorite ones. I spent so much time writing a whole book about Rain and Blood that changed my relationship with the album some. Hell Awaits is like an evil sacrament to me. It is so monumental I cannot listen to it casually. It changed my life. A long time ago, I'm still here talking about Slayer. But Show No Mercy... Show No Mercy is primal thrash. It's their debut, first record. It has riffs. It rocks. It has the kind of low-dough production that we would later associate with a certain kind of black metal, even though it certainly does not sound like modern black metal. It's just a ripper of an album. Released in December 1983. Slayer, as I will say later, represents the furthest point in metal where the music still has a basic rock and roll quality and appeal. And here is how Show No Mercy starts. In the catalog, the first Slayer song is Evil Has No Boundaries. Lyrics to the song are by both Jeff Hanneman and Carrie King, the guitarists. Music is written by Carrie King. And it begins with Tom singing, Tom Araya, the singer. Blasting our way through the boundaries of hell, no one can stop us tonight. If you're a fan, you know the rest. So here is the theory I'm developing. Maybe this holds water, maybe not. How should we look at Slayer? Specifically, is Slayer really a satanic band? Is Slayer in league with Satan? Do they promote as they say in the backwater, backwoods, uh, not entirely advanced area where I grew up. Maybe you can relate to that. Does Slayer, as they say where I grew up, does the band promote devil worship? Are you just devil worshipers? You just listen to that devil music. Is Slayer really a satanic band? Well, Carrie King, the driving force behind the organization that was Slayer, hates religion. He is a proud atheist, if you had to summarize most of his lyrics, you could reduce a lot of them to fuck you and your God. When I interviewed King for my book about rain and blood, here is what the guitarist and lyricist told me about his perspective on religion. He said, His enduring anti-religious theme is not rooted in any particular experience. Unlike me, he did not go to Catholic school. He does not have any religious background to speak of. He told me, I went to Sunday school one summer because I was kind of bored, and I gave up on that. Kerry King does not remember what denomination the church was. He doesn't recall whether it was Catholic or Methodist or Evangelist or Presbyterian. King, who is so virulently anti-Christianity, does not have a sophisticated understanding of how Christianity works and what its myriad manifestations are. Here's what he knows about Christianity. It bothers him. He doesn't like it. That's enough for him. Over the years, Kerry King has compared religion to all stripes of brainwashing and mind control. And now he proudly identifies as an atheist. He told me, being where we are in the Inland Empire of California, it's like a mini Bible belt. If you're an atheist or you write Satanist on your window, 
those motherfuckers will key your car because they are blind faith fanatical. Carrie King, not one for blind faith. Jeff Hanneman, the other guitarist, key lyricist, also an atheist. Jeff didn't like religion. Carrie King, as we said, hates it. From Carrie's perspective, Satan is the opposite of Jesus. So, since he doesn't like Jesus, doesn't like Jesus' people, he's waving the pentagram flag. Society tells you there is one way. Carrie King, and thus Slayer, says there is another way. But Tom, Tom Mariah, the singer, Tom comes from a very active Catholic background. An extreme Catholic background. The way Slayer is extreme metal, Tom's parents extremely Catholic. His sister, Jeanette, wrote a whole book about it. It's a good read if you can find it. If you cannot, I wrote a book report about it. Uh, it's in my band biography, Slayer 66 and Two Thirds. It's chapter 64 on page 279. So Tom, of a Catholic background, still a man of faith, when Tom Araya steps to the mic as a member of Slayer, Tom becomes a demonic master of ceremonies. He becomes a heavy metal horror host, like the Crypt Keeper from Tales of the Crypt, or Elvira or Vampira before her. Tom is not an atheist or a devil worshiper. I interviewed him for my first Slayer book, and here is what he said about delivering King and Hanneman's anti-Christian lyrics. Over the years, it's become more of an art, he said. I guess when you perform, I have to take the songs and make them something and make people believe that what I'm saying, I actually believe. So for him, uh, it's a role he's playing for Tom. I say no. Slayer is not serious about its Satanism. Slayer know that it's all gothic, bloody fantasy imagery. Now, yes, obviously they use the pentagram in a context that is unambiguously of black magic and evil. But listen to that line. Blasting our way through the boundaries of hell, no one can stop us tonight. In evil has no boundaries, the way I'm reading it, Slayer are not evil knights in Satan's service, not exactly. In fact, they are bucking the Dark Lord's system. They are blasting their way through the boundaries of hell. In this narrative, presumably, they are lesser demons. They lived evil lives, maybe. They woke up in hell one day. And they rose through the ranks one way or the other. Maybe they've been in hell since it was a startup operation. It works either way. As the people in the business world would say in this era, Slayer are disruptors. In these narratives, they are of hell, but they are not content to stay there and eternally torture souls on the behalf of Lucifer, the first of the fallen, former angel, rebel angel, sometimes known as Satan. In the first moments of their debut, Slayer identify themselves as a group. No one can stop us tonight. They're fighting for mayhem. They're fighting for chaos. They're not necessarily out to overthrow heaven or clock overtime in hell. Slayer are out to get theirs. So here's my point. The boss, 
the devil, Satan, has established a diabolical order in hell. Slayer have decided they will not be subservient to it. Their characters won't. As they'll say later on in the record, they want to reign in hell. You've seen the movie Scarface, yes? The polarizing 1983 classic crime movie? Scarface traces the rise and fall of Tony Montana. Tony Montana, played by Al Pacino, is an immigrant who arrives in America, becomes a crime boss, and, well, I don't want to spoil the movie for you. At first, Tony works for Frank Lopez, a very successful criminal who runs his own syndicate. Eventually, Tony decides he doesn't want to be constrained by Frank's rules any longer. He wants to reign, and he wants to conduct his business his way. Once he amasses enough power, enough juice, he rebels against his boss, and Tony Montana takes his throne. So here is my theory. Here is a way to look at Slayer's narrative, especially in the early evil albums that are decked with satanic imagery and scenarios. Slayer are not working to promote devil worship. It's bigger than that. Certainly some other factors are at play. Bloodlust, aggression, rebellion. The kind of things that are especially important to you when you're a young man, as Slayer were when they wrote these records. But in this song, Evil Has No Boundaries, when they act as disruptive elements of chaos, Slayer are essentially satanic gangsters. The point is not evil, as you and I probably think of it. The point is power. More specifically, it is about having the power of self-determination. Slayer's agenda is about freedom. It is about serving the self, not the institutions that surround them and that would control them and that would make them subservient. Those of you who have watched the classic HBO drama series The Wire, you know what happens when you put your faith in institutions. The institutions do not care about you. Institutions will grind you to dust. Doesn't matter if you're working for a church or a government or a sports franchise or a corporate-owned grocery store. The institutions don't care about you. But if you cast off society's rules and customs and boundaries and commit to doing what works for you, evil, anger, rebellion, evil is one hell of a fuel. Evil has no boundaries. And Slayer will not be stopped. The characters in Slayer's songs are not necessarily working for Satan. They want to replace him, supplant him. Slayer do not want to be told what to do or how to do it. And that, friends, is what Slayer do, and that is why. That's what I think, anyway. We'll keep part two short. I'm going to read you some highlights of my Slayer survey. We will revisit it in full a lot later, 
If you want to get a jump on the reading, you can see the whole thing, the results of it, in my book, Slayer 66 and Two Thirds, A Metal Band Biography. This is chapter 66 on page 283. But for now, I want to give you an idea, before we start talking about Slayer's career, I want to give you an idea of how Slayer fandom in general regards the band in their various works. I want to start off with a quote that came up in a Facebook conversation. I don't like Facebook, but I go there from time to time. Guy near to me, you probably don't know him, good dude, smart dude, Michael C. Joyner. He said, to use a Kill Bill reference, comparing Slayer albums is like comparing Hattori Hanzo's swords. To me, their consistency is unmatched in metal or any genre. And that is what separates them, especially for a band that's been around so long. That's Michael C. Joyner talking about the unique quality of Slayer albums as a collective body of work. In Kill Bill Part 1, if you haven't seen it a hundred times or more, Hattori Hanzo is a legendary swordmaster and maker. Pardon me if I don't get into the provenance of the, the name and the legend. But in the movie, he has sworn an oath to God that he will never make another thing that kills people. In this movie, he breaks that oath. He makes his final sword for a woman who is on a righteous mission of vengeance. He tells her, I can tell you with no ego, this is my finest sword. If on your journey you should encounter God, God will be cut. Some Slayer albums are better than others. They all have their qualities. Some are as sharp as metal gets. So in 2018, as Slayer were staging their final world tour, I conducted round one of what I called the Slaytanic Survey. I was curious about fans' perspectives on the band. Other fans. As you know, I've been a fan of Slayer for over 35 years. My first book about them was published 15 years ago. I've been professionally writing about music for over 20 years. And if you made it this far, you know I have certain opinions. And I have an orientation as a metalhead who also loves punk. But I'm fond of saying, most people's taste is 85% correct at best, myself included. So I thought it would be interesting to see what other readers and Slayer fans, what do they think? So for this survey, I concentrated on the classic trilogy of albums. Rain and Blood, 1986. South of Heaven, 1988. And Seasons in the Abyss, 1990. As the results show, those are the albums in the Slayer discography that fans care about the most. The survey was posted at the website SurveyMonkey. Results cut off after 100 responses, so it's, it's a small sampling. If you know anything about research and statistics and quantitative research, you will spot some gaping holes in my methodology. This research was not meant to be an airtight quantitative study. Obviously, the results are far from comprehensive and possibly, possibly far from conclusive. But if you know research, you know it has to start somewhere. 
you start kicking around ideas, you see if they work or if they don't work, and then you develop them. So this is a first step. What follows are numbers from 100 responses. But I do believe that this very small sample is large enough to identify some general tendencies within the Slatanic populace. In short, I believe this is a good read on what fans generally like. Let's take a look. We'll keep it short. The survey presented 10 questions, and I asked them in this order. Number one, what is your favorite Slayer album? Two, what was the first Slayer album you heard? Three, what was Slayer's first new album after you started listening to the band? Four, what is your favorite Slayer album released after 1990 Seasons in the Abyss, after the classic trilogy? Five, what is your favorite album from the 21st century, from God Hates Us All and Thereafter? Six, what is your favorite song from Rain and Blood? Seven, what is your favorite song from South of Heaven? Eight, what's your favorite song from Seasons in the Abyss? Nine, how old are you? And ten, what is your favorite album from the Unholy Trilogy of Rain, South, and Seasons? And as I said, we'll skip around. I won't bore you with all the details right now. But survey says, question one, what is your favorite Slayer album? Five people said Show No Mercy, five out of a hundred. Eight said Hell Awaits. Rain and Blood, 34. South of Heaven, 21. Seasons in the Abyss, 22. So it's Rain and Blood by a pretty good margin. South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss tied. After that, by a decent lead, Hell Awaits, 8. So nothing really comes close to those three. Question two. What was the first Slayer album you heard? I ask this for reasons. Number one answer. Most common answer. 34 people again said Rain in Blood. 34. Second largest number, Seasons in the Abyss, 16. And number three, South of Heaven, 13 people. Those three albums just dominating the answers there. So most of the Slayer fans that I talked to started listening to them back in the day. Again, this is a very small sample. Question three. What was Slayer's first new album after you started listening to the band? 18 people said Divine Intervention. There's some interesting uh, discrepancies if you look at all the numbers here. 12 people said Rain and Blood, 12 people said South of Heaven, 9 people said Seasons in the Abyss, 15 people said the first new Slayer album after they started listening to the band was God Hates Us All. I'm just reporting the results. Question number 5. I asked, what is your favorite album from the 21st century? Slayer before 2000 and Slayer after 2000. Two very different sagas. By a lot, the most popular Slayer album from the 21st century 
41 people out of 100 said God hates us all. Number two answer was Christ illusion. 18 people did not even answer. Question four. What is your favorite Slayer album released after 1990's Seasons in the Abyss? 29 people said Divine Intervention. 27, close, God Hates Us All. Number three, with a decent lead, Christ Illusion. Christ Illusion. So the favorite album after Seasons in the Abyss, 29 people said Divine Intervention. 27, God Hates Us All. 15, Christ Illusion. At that point, it was a new record. Repentless only had two votes. Question six, getting back to Rain and Blood, because that's the record. What is your favorite song from Rain and Blood? 30 people said Angel of Death. Two people split votes between Angel and Raining, so the numbers reflect that. But 30 people overall said Angel of Death. 27 people said Raining Blood. One person, they were not wrong to do this, counted Postmortem slash Raining Blood as a single song. And after that, nothing is close. Uh, Postmortem gets 12 votes, Altar of Sacrifice 9, Criminally Insane 7. So by a huge lead out of these 100 people, 30 of them from Rain and Blood, their favorite is Angel of Death. Question 7, your favorite song from South of Heaven. 32 people said South of Heaven. 32. Nothing else comes close. Mandatory Suicide got 20. Silent Scream, 13. So South of Heaven, title track, number one song on the record by a lot. Question 8, what's your favorite song from Seasons in the Abyss? 27.5 people. One person split their vote between Dead Skin Mask and War Ensemble. 27.5 people voted for War Ensemble. 23 voted for Seasons in the Abyss. That's interesting. Two most popular songs. Very fast one. Very slow one. Three, 14 and a half people voted for Dead Skin Mask. Is that interesting to you? I think that is. Question 9, how old are you? We'll skip that one for now. Question 10, what is your favorite album from the Unholy Trilogy? Rain and Blood, South of Heaven, Seasons. 24 people said Seasons in the Abyss. 26 people said South of Heaven. Two people out of the hundred did not answer. 48 out of 100 Slayer fans that I surveyed said their favorite record from the Unholy Trilogy was Rain in Blood. There you go. That's what they think. So there is your double dose of Slayer for the week. That is the end of the opening act. Next episode, the headlining act begins. It is yours truly, and we are starting the story of Slayer. Updates. The Patreon page is not up yet. I'm sorry. 
I won't start making episodes exclusive until I can get that up and running. You're not going to miss anything. Look, I got other shit I got to do, and I try to sleep a little bit from time to time. The Apple podcast feed is still fucked. Nice fucking tech company. This week, the error message is different on two different devices on two different OSs, but it's still an error message. I don't know what to tell you. We'll be on Apple eventually. I sure hope so anyway. If you're listening to this, obviously you found a more reliable way to get your podcasts. This has been the first five episodes of Talkin' Slayer. If you dug it, there's more where that came from. If you didn't, next week starts a whole new thing. Come on back, check it out. This episode has been brought to you by the letter D. Thank you for listening to Talkin' Slayer, a podcast and half-assed audio book by your pal Ferris. To support the show and learn more, visit patreon.com slash slayerbook. S-L-A-Y-E-R-B-O-O-K. Patreon.com slayerbook. No S on the end. Credits and crucial thanks. Podcast artwork is by Jason Shank of Midwest Authenticity Consultants. Unless otherwise noted, all the rad music is by Nige Savage, the aggressive perfecter, also of the awesome UK thrash band Chupacabra. Check them out. From the hit podcast Spanking It with Julio, the producer is Mitch Kramer, the spirit in black. The dog is Wolfie. Audio technical consultants are... Matt Wardlaw, The Tormentor, Forrest Gabbage of Southbound Tracks, codenamed Gemini, Jessica Baxter of the Paid in Puke podcast, and Stargate Pioneer and everyone at the Gunna Geek Network. Consultant for Audiovisual Affairs and Irish History is James Ferris of Massive Media. The beta test group is Vince Bloom, Craig Cohen, Steve-O, your older brother Sam, Bruno McDonald, Jason Pettigrew, Outer Nowhere, Sue Madre, and Mike Olszewski. The Slatanic Archivists are Jamie Walters, Tony Alberts, Spar Schmidt, Chris Bade, Paul from Dropgun, Paul from Slayerized, and Nicholas, THE Slayer Collector. Ongoing thanks to metal mentors and radio dudes, including but not limited to Ed Rohr, Brian Biggs, Randy Fox, and Dean B. True. Additional shingy courtesy Captain Shum and the Concerned Party Lembe Squad. Expert consultation by Nate Runkle, the Catalyst, also of Yo, That's My John, good show. Howard H. Smith of Acid Rain and Talking Bullocks, a.k.a. the Captor of Sin. No Friender of the Thrash Metal Show and the When It Was Cool Podcast Network. And Ryan J. Downey, the Ghost of War, also of the Speak and Destroy Podcast. Thanks, I Heartians. I Heartians all. A lot. Partial list of people that I wish were still here. Sumner J. Ferris. Nora Ferris. Vera Lehane. Ron Forsyth, Lori Martin, Audrey Sapizi, Don Olszewski, and Tom Morrissey. Jeff Hanneman too, obviously, but I did not know him personally. If you have a different opinion, you are right and I am wrong. 
if you have questions or you want to rap, you can find me online. At Twitter, I am Slayer Book, no S. On Insta, I am Slayer Books with an S on the end. On Facebook, Slayer Book, no S. Buy the book and you can find an email address in it. The book Slayer 66 and Two Thirds, a metal band biography, the 2023 postmortem update, is published by 6623 Press. It is a very reasonably priced paperback and a very cheap Kindle ebook. 6623 Press makes useful, reasonably priced, unconventional, creator-owned books about popular culture, success, and other cool stuff. This podcast is a production of 6623 Press and Mostly Things. The easiest place to find my books is Amazon, but select retailers have them too. If you're a retailer and you don't have them, but you want them, hit me up. Thank you for listening. More next time. Peace. Power off.